ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Australia's spy chief, Mike Burgess, has rejected calls to actually name the politician who's been accused of being recruited by an international spy ring as speculation mounts that China was the country behind the attempt. In a series of interviews over the weekend, the ASIO Director-General cautioned against politicising the incident. Foreign interference against the political system happens at all levels of government and targets all parties in this country. Individuals who call out names, if they're doing that for political purposes, I suggest they be very careful because it might come back on their own party. ASIO Director-General Mike Burgess speaking there to Channel 9. More international observers say the decision to detail this alleged plot is actually part of a growing trend. Rory Cormack is Professor at the University of Nottingham and is an expert on covert action. Uh, Professor Cormack, welcome to RN Breakfast. Hi, thank you. You keep a very close eye on some spy agencies around the world. Are you seeing more of them do what Australia's ASIO has done here, and that is provide some details about these kind of events? Yes, we certainly are. This is definitely part of a growing uh, global trend as more and more states take this threat increasingly seriously and are calling it out as part of a, a worldwide I guess, campaign really to to expose these kind of operations and in doing so to build awareness for people who might be targets in the future, but also to try to disrupt the activities of the um, of the of the hostile states intelligence agencies. Do you think it works, Roy? I do. I think it's I think it's one really useful tool in the state's wider um, wider armory, but it is just one tool. We shouldn't see it as the, the silver bullet to, to dealing with this stuff. I think at the same time, you know, you've got to use uh, intelligence-led disruption, for example. You know, you've got to be deporting people. You've got to be covertly drawing out targets and, and warning people off. You've got to be trying to uh, disrupt and induce paranoia within the within the, t- the target state's uh, intelligence services. So there's lots of different things that um, the states can be doing. And there's a risk here with the exposure is if we put you know, too much emphasis on this, we can end up um, uh, over-exaggerating, overplaying mm. the the threat from this. I mean, it's, it's a serious threat, don't get me wrong. Mm. But if we over-hype it, we end up risking doing the um, doing the uh, the interferer's job for them. Because, you know, if we start saying that the Chinese or the Russians or whoever are behind every single election result, people are going to start questioning the you know, the sanctity and legitimacy of elections, which is exactly what mm. hostile states want to happen for us to lose for us to lose trust. So it's a, it's a delicate, delicate balance. What do we know about how some of this uh, espionage grooming goes on? Do the politicians involved, do they know that this process is happening to them? Are they willing participants in that? Or are they slowly groomed into this process and they're not fully aware of the information they're divulging? Oh, there's a whole spectrum. It goes from the you know the, the willing recruits who might be doing it for for money, for uh, ego, ideology, uh, or might be you know, coerced or blackmailed into it, uh, all the way down through to the completely 
unwitting, um, useful idiot we might have once said during the during the Cold War who doesn't realise they're being being played or you know being um, or unwittingly amplifying lines from a from a certain from a certain country. So I mean, it, it takes all sorts, and we see a range of of methods which states are using. None of which are new. I think it has to be said. You know, this is this is a type of activity which is as old as statecraft itself of covertly funding parties of cultivating individual politicians, of smearing politicians, and of using propaganda to try to shape or constrain the, the parameters of political debate. So there's a whole range of tools which, which states use to do this stuff. Some of it's very active, some of it's very direct, some of it is much uh, slower burning and uh, longer, longer term. How big is the issue of, of politicians being warned about this type of thing, but thinking that it won't happen to them? I would know if it happened to me. Yeah, it's human nature, isn't it? We we're all aware of uh, you know all these all these threats, even if it's you know the the standard scam which you and I might be um, subject to by by a criminal group. We're we're all aware of these these threats. We always think, oh, it wouldn't happen to us. You know, we're we're too clued up. Um, so I think that's a standard part of human nature. And one of the things which uh, security agencies are working on hard is to build up awareness amongst politicians and indeed, you know, wider communities who are targeted by these people, whether it's business business people, um, academics, uh, um, lawmakers, whoever it might be, to get them to understand and know what the warning signs are, what the the playbook is, because it is a playbook and it isn't new. And if we can increase understanding amongst politicians and indeed of wider society, then that is the best way of building resilience to dealing with this threat. How much of this kind of process is about gathering information and how much of it is about having some kind of uh, influence? Because it seems like this is an enormous amount of resources and time cultivating someone compared to getting lucky and pushing through on a, an enormous data hack, for example. Yeah, this is a, this is a big thing, um, and I think that there's a, there's a difference between the the big data hack, the espionage, and the the influence or the interference. They're they're two sides of the same coin, sure, but they're two different things. States spy. All, all states spy on each other. It's a it's a, it's a you know, slightly slightly dirty, but as part standard part of international um, relations. Once you move from spying, watching, listening. Um, to actively interfering, to breaching somebody's sovereignty, undermining their sovereignty, and in a, uh, a clandestine or deceptive way to try and you know, coerce them to do things which might not be in their interest to do, that is a more serious um, thing. And we can, you can see the appeal for you know, states which want to undermine our, our, our values, want to um, manipulate our politics, our debates want to turn the, the the tables of geopolitics in their in their favour. You can see the appeal of this because it's going beyond hacking and listening and watching and waiting and trying to actively shape. So it's a yeah, it's it's a more significant and I I think more 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 dangerous threat. Rory, in this case in Australia, um, the head of ASIO, Mike Burgess, has made the decision not to name the politician involved in the plot. What what do you think about that? I think he's right, to be fair. I can see why people would be clamouring um, for a name. But my worry would be 
as soon as this person gets named, and particularly if there's no conviction, because it was prior to the, to the laws coming in, um, it, it, it's so easy to get weaponized, and mm. these things turn into politicized point, point scoring. Um, and we need to remember that, um, again, that's going to do the, the interference job for them, because what these states want and thrive on is um, polarization, uh, in our societies is kind of toxic debate, is this rumor mongering, post-truth politics, all those things. That is what these states need. That's what they exploit and that's what they thrive on with their um, influence operations. So I think there's a real risk that this would get weaponized and actually end up making the situation worse. What we need when we're countering hostile interference is to rise above party politics and have a bipartisan approach uh, which is easy, easier said than done, to be sure. But I'm very sympathetic to uh, to, to my Burgess's decision here. What do we know about how uh, some of these spies pick a target? Are they looking for vulnerabilities, whether it's uh, financial difficulties or if someone has compromised themselves in another way or they get a sense of someone's allegiances? How do they go about choosing from all of those hundreds of politicians, this is the one we're going to go after? But it, it seems uh, from you know, recent evidence that um, that they're casting the nets very widely and, and having well-resourced uh, intelligence services to be able to take very long-term um, approaches to to these things. I mean, historically, states, intelligence agencies have used uh, money. Um, you know, people look looking for people who are who are short of cash to, to bribe. They've looked for ego, they've looked for um, for ideology, and they've looked for coercion, if they can get some compromising photograph to blackmail somebody into, into spying for them or being an agent of influence, um, and try to narrow it down that way. But it seems with some of the examples that, that have come out um, that these things are actually, you know, taking a very, a, a very cast, casting net quite widely and taking a long a long-term approach playing the long game. Um, Rory Cormack, good to talk to you. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks so much. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.